going to start out this morning with a couple of questions. First question is this. What would go through your mind if I told you that I believe Jesus wants this church, wants our congregation, to serve Seattle's entire homeless population one meal per day, every single day. And I want this to be done. Jesus wants us to be doing this within three years. This little congregation, we're going to feed the entire homeless population of Seattle one meal a day, every single day. What would go through your mind? You can actually answer if you'd like. I can take it. Impossible. Impossible. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, really, that's what... Actually, it probably would go through your mind uh, to do it. How about if I said instead, I think Jesus is calling our congregation to take some hot soup to Tent City, maybe sometime soon, just one time. What would go through your head then? That's feasible. Feasible, yeah. Let's start. Let's start, exactly. Okay. Jesus hasn't told me anything, so... A little over three years ago, in 2015, the government of Venezuela, led by Nicolas um, Maduro, started deporting Colombians from Venezuela. So many of these new exiles, newly exiled, found themselves homeless in the Colombian border town of uh, Cucuta. The bishop of the Roman Catholic Church in Cucuta uh, Victor Manuel Ochoa Cadavid and some other leaders in the community decided to have their congregations take some soup to the, it was roughly 200 homeless people in their, in their town. That was it. Just Let's take some hot soup to the roughly 200 people that are homeless now. A little over three years ago. Today, in early 2019, the diocese now serves 10,000 people a day, one meal, every single day, day after day after day, 10,000 people, and provides shelter, medical, sanitation, and legal help to many of those same people. The bishop uh, was quoted in a recent Sojourner's article saying, never did we think it would grow this much. We only thought about giving some soup. We wanted to give some soup and with it, a little bit of care. I would be willing to bet a great amount that if we had asked Bishop Ochoa three years ago when this started, whether he thought his diocese even could not whether they wanted to, but if they even could, within three years, feed 10,000 people one meal per day every single day, I would be willing to bet a great deal that he would have said, no way. There's no way we can do that. I mean, 
I've just recently been to Colombia, and the resources of a town like Cucuta are extremely limited compared to even what we're used to. And yet, he was clearly ready to take some hot soup to a couple hundred homeless people or have his congregation try to do that. I know that there are many of us here and many of the people that we know who are currently overwhelmed by the enormity of all the problems that we face in our world, in our country, even in our state or county or city. I know that there are many of us here and many that we know who are overwhelmed by the enormity of problems that we face in our own homes, in our families, in our relationships. The good news of this morning's story from Luke is this. Even when we have nothing left, if we follow Christ's lead, it is enough. Each one of the gospel writers tells this story about Jesus feeding the more than 5,000, because they only counted the men, but there were women and children as well. Each one of them has <clears throat> a little bit of a different twist. Luke is the most matter-of-fact about the whole thing. Jesus, in Luke's telling, doesn't chastise the, the twelve for their lack of faith. Um, <clears throat> Luke doesn't tell us anything about how things happened. Rather, Luke just reports everything very straightforwardly and sparsely. Jesus is teaching this massive crowd of people out in the boonies. It's about to start getting dark. His apostles take a look at the logistical problems and bring them to Jesus' attention. Jesus says, do something about it. They say, we can't. The problem is too big. We don't have enough resources. Jesus says, okay. Split them up into groups of 50, have them sit down, and take this stuff to them. The apostles do what he says, everybody eats, the apostles clean up, that's it. That's how Luke tells the story, essentially. In this story, Jesus is the hero, full stop. Jesus is the one who does all the heavy lifting. Jesus is the one who creates enough food for thousands Jesus is the one who has the vision, the strategy, and the power to care for all of these people. This is not a story about the leadership capabilities of the 12 apostles. <clears throat> this is not a story about a successful stewardship program or a successful reorganization chart from session. The single most important message of this story is that Jesus is the one who is able to create something from nothing. Jesus is the one who is able to provide enough for everyone. The story is meant to exalt the power and the grace of Jesus, especially when human 
Vision, strategy, and power are at a loss. However, the 12 are not completely without any involvement whatsoever. They do enact several tiny steps. But let's be clear, they're tiny in in the grand scheme. However, also, because they are the human beings, full human beings, uh, without divinity, like we are, they are the ones that we look to to sort of figure out where we, we, as followers of Christ, might fit into this story. So those tiny steps are important for us to notice, at least. First, as I said with the kids, they see a problem that many people are about to experience, and they care. They are the ones who come to Jesus and raise the issue. There are thousands of people out in this deserted place in the middle of nowhere with nothing to eat, and they are in a food desert. There is nothing close by for them to anywhere to get food. And I think that the apostles, the 12, truly care. Their concern is for the people. So the 12 see a problem, care what happens, and then they turn to Jesus to do something about it. They know who their leader is. They know that Jesus is ultimately responsible, but also ultimately capable. They do make one little mistake, I think, by initially telling Jesus what he should do. Uh, That may be why Jesus' first response seems a little snippy. Uh, They come to him... What is it? Verses 12 and 13. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, said to him, told him, send the crowd away so they can go and do these things. And he replied, you give them something to eat. I think it's supposed to be that snippy. But whatever the rationale for Jesus' response it does get the 12 to at least assess realistically what they have. And they say, uh, we have a total of five loaves of bread and two fish. I don't think that's going to cut it. Again, I think we need to be fair, though, to the disciples and agree with them that they did not have enough to feed. I doubt any of us, if we'd been part of the 12, would have come and said, This is enough. Jesus, take it. Do your stuff for 5,000 plus people. Uh, I think it would have been just as inappropriate if they had come to Jesus and said, Hey, Jay, we got a lot of hungry people, but good news is we have five loaves of bread and two fish. How's about you do your stuff and make it 5,000? probably not would, ha- would not have gone over any better. Instead, they say simply to Jesus, this is all we have. And in Luke's telling, that's it. They give that pathetic little offering to Jesus, 
And Jesus uses that to start whatever it is that he does. In Luke's telling, notice how much he, he, emphasis he places on that. Uh, Jesus taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. They all ate and were satisfied. We don't hear about anything else. Just the five loaves of bread and the two fish. Neither Luke nor any of the other gospel writers tell us exactly what happened. There are lots of theories about what actually happened here that try to get rid of anything miraculous. There are some that go fully miraculous. We don't have any idea. Nobody tells us. I don't think they really care. What good would it do for us to know how it happened? It's not like we're going to duplicate it. The whole point of the story is that we can't. This was all about what Jesus did. The point of this story is that Jesus is the one with the power and the capabilities. Our role in these types of things is minuscule. It's important, but it's minuscule. Here is the wrap-up of what the disciples did. They saw a problem. They cared what happened. They turned to Jesus. They honestly assessed what they had. They gave that little bit that they had to Jesus. And then, probably the most important thing they did was they did the simple things that Jesus asked them to do. Verse 14. Jesus said to the disciples, have them sit down, the, the 5,000 plus, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so. That's it. Then he gave them whatever it was he gave them, and he said, take it to them. And the disciples did so. That's it. Just those two little, simple little things. And then we hear the result. All these people ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls. I don't think even it's so much about the, the abundant excess. I think it's about the 12. The fact that these, none of these 12 came with anything worth anything. And yet they did what Jesus said, and they were a part of something that was enough. More than enough, really. The apostles had almost nothing to offer, but they followed Christ's lead, and it was enough. In our story from the Hebrew First Testament, the people had literally nothing to offer to God. In fact, all they had to offer was grumbling. Did you hear how many times it talks about how the, I have heard the people grumbling. I have heard your grumbling. Moses saying, why are you grumbling to us? You really are grumbling to God. Grumbling, grumbling. That's all they brought was grumbling. And yet, even with that, God took care of the people. I've heard your grumbling. There will, there will be, in the morning, there's going to be bread for everyone. And at night, there's going to be quail. At one point, he gets kind of 
snippy and he says do you want quail you want meat to eat i will give you meat to eat that's in another section and then he's i'm going to give you so much meat you're going to be throwing it up <clears throat> and he does they're just they're almost literally buried in quail but again the point is they they literally had nothing the disciples have essentially nothing but literally the people in our uh, first testament reading had nothing all that moses and the leaders the other leaders and the people did are the simple things that god directs them to do moses and the leaders announced to the people what the plan was the simple thing was you're gonna in the morning there's going to be enough bread to eat you just have to gather essentially gather enough for each day twice on friday none on saturday but essentially gather enough for the day every every morning and then we hear and i think this is again an important thing part of it for us to hear is that in verses 17 18 the israelites did as they were told some gathered much some little and when they measured it the one who those who gathered much did not have too much and those who gathered little did not have little. One thing we don't hear in this particular reading of it is this happened for 40 years. They were wandering in the desert. This is at the beginning of the story. This happened for 40 years. God provided food every day and water for 40 years. Even when we have nothing to give, when we follow God's lead, it is enough. Our society today has an astonishing ability to be able to reveal and expose problems. We are really good at that. It's always been fairly easy to be aware of problems sort of, you know, within your house or home, within our families, within workplaces, neighborhoods. It's even been fairly easy to know what's going on problem-wise in a town or a city. Today, these days, we can be aware of literally almost anyone's problem or everyone's problem everywhere in the world every moment of the day. Right from our phones, we can get local, global issues, we can read stories, we can see pictures, we can get live feeds of problems just with our phone. And one problem I know that we have in our congregation with all this exposure to problems is we care. We care. I know your hearts. We care what happens to people anywhere. We care what's happening to our world. We're intelligent people with big hearts, and it hurts to see all these people hurting, all these problems all over the world, all the time. Further, when we realistically assess who we are and how little we have to offer in the face of all of those problems, if anything, the enormity of the problems can overwhelm our littleness. May this story from Luke breathe life into our lives and into us as a congregation. 
We don't have to have anything. Christ is the hero of our life. Christ is the one with the power. Christ is the one with the capabilities. Jesus isn't calling us, as far as I know, to feed 10,000 people one meal every day. But he may be calling us to take some hot soup to some homeless people in our neighborhood. Jesus isn't calling us to figure out how we are going to survive in this desert life for the, every day for the next 40 years. But he may be calling us to do a few errands today. Even when we have nothing left, we can turn to Christ, Christ with all that is in our hearts and on our hearts and then follow what, where he directs, where he leads. Do those simple things that we are led to. And from time to time along the way, we can gather at his table for the meal that he provides, the sacrament of Holy Communion. We don't bring anything to this table. We don't bring anything to this table except our hunger and our need. Jesus provides everything. Jesus provides the true bread and the true cup of salvation. God blesses the sacrifice. Jesus shares his life, his death, his resurrection with all people. And we receive his healing, his strength, and his hope. Jesus simply directs us, take, eat, drink. This is enough. Thanks be to God.